Welcome everyone to Heroes of Gaming, the podcast channel that talks with the people who make the games we love. Our hero this week is a sound designer who brings us into the new year as we recognize his extraordinary gifts for creating iconic sounds, memorable action sequences, and the flawless mixture of rich atmospheres. His experienced genius builds out everything from the grand to the granular to excite your ears and put us deeper into every moment of the game. The volume of his work, his leadership skills, and his passion speak at the perfect decibel to align with legendary titles such as Ori and the Blind Forest, The Last of Us Part 2, Uncharted, The Lost Legacy, Destiny 2, and the upcoming God of War, Ragnarok. Bo Jimenez, thank you for being here. Oh my god, can I steal that and put that on my LinkedIn? <laughs> That's very it's kind. extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, man, it is an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I'm very excited to get this rolling and yeah, big fan of the podcast and yeah, it's going to be awesome, man. I just wanted to say that everything I say is reflective of my own personal views and not of SIE. I just wanted to get that out there. All good. No worries. Thank you so much. It, it, that means a lot. I wanted to know before we started talking more so about, you know, your, your kind of job currently and your, and I was just really curious about how you got your career started and what got you into sound? What got you into games? Yeah. I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll touch on that. I'm going to say briefly, but I know it's probably going to take me about five hours. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> very, very early on, because I'm I'm a 90s baby. <laughs> I feel like that always relates to Star Wars in some way, where it's just like, what what Star Wars did you grow up with? So I grew up with the, you know, Phantom Menace, right? Right, right. So right. I always remembered, like, emulating the sounds of the pod racers going by. Oh, like, I would always think about Doppler. I would always think about the different character of each pod racer. Like, as a, you know, a child, I would I would hear this and go, like, wow, that's... These are so unique. They're so, they have so much character. Um, I didn't understand what any of that meant. I just heard cool sounds. You know, just like kind of emulate all the pods going by. And God, I just, I feel like I fell in love with sound without realizing I did, you know, like back then uh, as a kid, you know, as I developed um, kind of my artistic skills, I was, I was the really creative, wacky kid throughout middle school, elementary, high school as the artist. Like I was the drawer. I would always draw. I would, I, would, I was a cartoonist. I have a lot of cartoonists in my family, like very, you know, animated, animation centric uh, oh. or centered really. Yeah. It was interesting because I went to school for, for, uh, at uh, Savannah college of art and design for animation. And I think it was maybe late sophomore, early junior year. There was a moment where I was just like, I can't do this because my teacher was like, Oh, you have to be drawing all the time. Like you have to love drawing. And mm. I realized I didn't love drawing. <laughs> I was just pretty good at it. And I liked doing it. And I thought, well, you know, I can't see myself doing anything but a creative art for my career. And drawing is what I know I'm good at right now. So I was just doing that. So I just made the switch to film thinking like, you know, let me just let me just figure out what I'm going to do in, in the, the film world, because I, I love films as well. And I took intro to sound. And after editing sounds on the, the first Pro Tool session, first thing I ever done was redesigning the sounds or adding sounds to Trip to the Moon. You know, that old 1902, I forget what. Classic, yeah, of course. Old, 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 you know, yeah. brilliant, brilliant uh, uh, early film that, you yeah, know. Black he, and white, he, great he, movie. I, for, I forget his name, but the director was, you know, the like the king of, or like the 
the grandfather of visual effects, how right. he would, you know, make make edits and then you know visual effects would pop and you know blew everyone in that in that era's minds yeah. out from their head so i remember taking little snippets of sounds and putting them together and being like oh my god this is the most satisfying thing i've ever done like it's so cool to just just take you know sounds that mean nothing in a, in a bubble like you know by itself but then you put it to picture it creates so much meaning all these little snippets that come together and really make the picture pop like that's what i noticed it made the movie way better adding just little bits of audio right. and it wasn't even good you know it was my first thing i've ever done <laughs> but i just started to realize like oh my god this is this is really cool wow. um and then that was it like from then on my whole soul was sound um, and I feel like I feel like most sound designers have a musical mind. And I feel like I've always kind of had that kind of mind where I, I I just I can hear melodies, I hear music. I never went fully into the music world, but I just always had like a musical brain. And I feel like sound design is very musical. It takes timing, rhythm into minds, harmony, you know, beats. All yeah, mm-hmm. all of it, right? And here we are, you know, nine years have been in in the in the sound world now. Wow. Which, yeah. And and you, did you just jump from film to games? Did you stay in film for a little bit? How did that? So change? yeah, that that was an interesting one. So right after graduating, you know, like everyone else, I'm like, oh my god, what am I going to do? Right. I need a job. I need a job. I need to make money. I'm by myself now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you got the loans. You got everything. You know, it's like, what, what do I do? Yeah, got to make mommy and daddy proud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Got to get a career. So my then girlfriend, current fiance, her dad worked at uh, uh, SCAD Atlanta, and he had um, connections to a lot of folks that were going to SCAD, being like, "Hey, do you know any? In- I, like, I need an intern. Do you know anybody um, trying to hire people, right, for entry level gigs?" And I got very, very like crazy lucky, really, to get entry level job at Wabi Sabi Sound. The owner is Andrew Lackey. Wabi Sabi is literally finishing Ori in the Blind Forest and The Witness. So I, I just got to hop in help finish those games. I was only on on those projects for like a year. Looking back, it's just like, oh my God, that's like for games, that's an incredible start. Oh, is wow. like two <laughs> to me, like staple indie games. Like they're just so, so incredible. Like I love I love I love John's mind for for design and 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 games, Braid, Witness, of course. And then Ori. I remember the interview for Wabi uh Andy brought up Ori in the Blind Forest, the Thornfelt Swamp level with Gareth's music over it. I was just like, am I in heaven? <laughs> like this is just beautiful right. what i'm seeing what i'm hearing right. like i just felt so lucky to to you know interview and 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 land that that gig and and be in that sonic universe i mean that mm. is that is andy's baby everything you hear is that's andy's soul and the music of course is gareth's soul so i just came in and emulated what you know andy was going for wow. um which is just yeah beautiful beautiful uh uh music musical sound really so you're working alongside some amazing people you've got some great opportunities that you've jumped on uh, how long did you stick around until um you decided to make the big leap it's almost a year and a half and then then i transitioned to uh bungie um working on destiny i worked on a little bit of uh taken king mostly just uh destiny 2 but mm. also rise of iron dlc for destiny 1 so a little bit of Destiny 1 and Destiny 2, of course. After some time, I was like, I wonder, wonder what AAA is like. <laughs> right, right. Let, let's, 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 you know, 
sink our feet into that and see what that's like. And very, obviously very different. What Andy had going on at Wabi was we actually ramped up to about four people in house, including me and him, which was, you know, obviously bigger than just me and him. So, you know, uh, Wabi was growing and it was cool. Um, but then going to, you know, a team of like, you know, I don't know, seven, eight sound designers, bunch of music folks. And, and uh, then, of course, the sea of PCs of all the developers, because that's what I was really interested in. It was like, what is a studio like? Right. right. Um, what is it like to like, <laughs> you know, walk through this gorgeous hallway with trophies and, and, and then see, you know, uh, see just the sea of PCs and all these, you know, amazingly talented professionals just just, you know, firing on all cylinders. And that, that to me is, that's my favorite thing ever is, is, is seeing that. Um, so, you know, nowadays with COVID, uh, it's, it's, it's rare to see that, you know, giant, uh, you know, machine all, all cranking and making something together. Right. So it's, it's, so, you know, for me, it's like kind of a missing thing that I, I, I wish eventually we can get back to just this this amazing bunch of talent in one area all collaborating because you know nowadays it's we can't really like walk over to the particle team and talk about you know oh that could be cool if we do did xyz go to design go to combat encounters go to like you know now now we're just seeing you know <laughs> profile pictures and zoom and, and slack and it's just a different it's different right now um right, right. yeah we'll see we'll see how that goes in the future but it sounds like a dream come true. I mean, it's a very exciting moment. You're at a big studio and you come with some skills. So uh, did that kind of put you in a parallel position? Were you in some high ranking spot? Oh, no, I was I was mid-level cranker. What's so cool about Bungie is like they let you kind of work on anything you want to work on. There's no like set rules where, you know, it's just like you need way more experience to work on ambience or to work on guns or to work on whatever. Right. Like they're like, Oh yeah, we trust you. Yeah. Work on an exotic weapon. I'm like, what really <laughs> to work on an exotic? Are you sure? You know, you, you know what an exotic weapon is, right? It's a pretty oh, important weapon. Yeah. It's huge. It's a big deal. I know to us gamers, but also the responsibility is equally as large uh, to the creators on that side of things. And you're, they're just tossing you into this. I mean, you've got skills. I mean, how do they do they trust everybody that comes in? Were you were you the like you know? Did you win a lottery that week? It's, it all depends on uh, the you know the de facto lead. So in that case, mm. uh, Jesse Rope was uh, you know I think he still is like the, the, Mr. Gun. He's the gunman at, at Bungie. Where he I imagine he took a lot from uh, C. Paul Johnson and and all those like Bungie classic sound designers that like you know and love Jay Wineland as well. Like all those folks designed. What does the Needler sound like? What does the right. ba- the hey, battle rifle all sound like? Like yeah, all the you know sure. they. At the time, they were all still there. So I imagine Jesse got learned a lot from them. And, you know, he had his own aesthetic, which was great. And um, and so, yeah, I learned a lot from him. And, you know, my first foray, foray in a foit? For, foray? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> all good. <laughs> let, me, let me open up a Webster's a dictionary. dictionary. <laughs> he, his introduction for me for guns was reload. So he was, well, actually, no, what was cool was he, he was like, hey, Bo, do you want to do the gunshots or the reloads? I'll do whatever you don't want to do i'm like oh <laughs> okay and i was a little scared to do the gunshot so i was just like i'll do the uh, reloads jesse and he's like all right i'll do the gunshots so yeah so i mean cool. that was what, what yeah, an interesting was, dynamic where you can actually pick and they just crossed off the list hey bo's got this covered 
Yeah, yeah, they were, I mean, and they still are. They're an amazing team. They're very trusting and, and open and, and, you know, they'll let you fail, which is great. And, and then they'll be like, oh, okay, like, you know, this is how this goes. Let's, let's see what we can do to fix this. But, you know, now, you know, and they'll, they'll continue to trust you. Wow. Um, so, yeah. And after the reloads, the job was done well enough to where later on, it was the kind of thing where Jesse was like, oh yeah, which, which exotics do you want to do? Oh, maybe this one's a good one. This one's a good one. I think I did six exotics on Destiny 2. I forget. Wow. Um, but <laughs> to go back to the whole idea of like what you what I did and what you can do at, at Bungie was kind of just completely open-ended where I, like I started on ambiences which is an interesting thing to start with because traditionally ambiences are very system driven and, and and like hard to get into like very you know you have to be in the tool very deep in the tools as opposed to just being oh a gunshot you know it can be as simple as oh there's a fire this gun event and then you just design something layer it, various sounds like maybe a mech layer sci-fi layer bloom tail whatever right like you can make the design process as complicated as, as it can be but in the end engine side it's a simple player just shot the gun it's it's that easy right or that simple right. so you just play sounds based on that uh, event in the in the in the game but ambiences can get wild as you as you know you know like can be going through an environment and there's you know you choose to have an emitter here and an emitter here and maybe a spline here and you know the behavior of all this in-world sounds can vary wildly to where maybe you know when you approach this one emitter the it's a maybe it's a quad sound that 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 folds down when you're far away and it opens up when you're close and and maybe there's a bed that's modulating and, and maybe the bed is changing based on all these parameters like it's very like you know dependent on on game data and all this other stuff so ambience ambience can be incredibly in depth and detailed and, and crazy or you can make it you know really simple like oh i'm in a region play this stereo or quad bed good enough right um, yeah. so like you know it, it just depends on how i guess the game right, right um right. but yeah bungie was amazing because that i think that's what i started with was uh all the amb uh yeah all the ambience for pvp maps for destiny 2 um and that was that was awesome like it was really fun to to get to know you know the tools and because that's what i wanted to get better at was you know sound design of course but like digging deeper into the engine and the tools which is so much uh, you know, that's that's everything for games is you know you can have pretty good sound but how it behaves in the world is so, so important. But right. of course, the dream is to have all of it, right? Like the oh, sound's yeah. incredible, but the, the way it's implemented is also incredible. And then it just creates this interactive, you know, just magic that feels <laughs> so perfect and so right and satisfying. And so, yeah, it's the, uh, what I love is the marriage of the two is, is the sound design is, is great, compelling, detailed, but then the implementation is, is, just that like oh, just yeah. as detailed just as you know in depth you're talking about the tools um constantly referencing getting deeper into the tools are you using bungie's like a proprietary software or they have or you have like the pro tools added are you using just like normal stuff that your average yeah you know, yeah we were all on pro tools um obviously the 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 landscape in game audio is very different now where you know reaper's slowly taking over um yeah, I've, just I've because of what you can do with it which is endless because it's api is open and you know 
smart people can make smart tools besides of course pro tools was all proprietary and um yeah so you know uh, uh, a custom world editing tool custom tool that uh inter- interfaces with like game objects where that's where you you know you'd call uh you know wise events sound events they're all on wise of course still are i believe um and yeah one one actual actually the biggest thing for me about games and this is this is very specifically for film folks looking to get into games if, if they want to it's crazy but the uh, learning how to learn is huge because every game that you play well i guess it's getting a little it's, it's changing a little bit with with everyone adopting you know unity or, or, or unreal like all these you know uh uh, game engines that just you know they are what they are and if you know how to use it you know how to use it and that's awesome but for the most part like you know games are made with with tools and engines that are usually especially for AAA, are bespoke for that company and that and that game that engine whatever so no matter what job you're on like if you're on a new game you're gonna have to learn new tools more than more more than likely so at bungie you know all these uh, proprietary tools i had to learn so I would say learning how to learn and you have to be open to not knowing stuff because, you know, with film, it's different. We're like, you know, um, I'm in Pro Tools. I'm in Soundminer. I'm in, you know, all these all these tools that I'm Final Cut, Avid, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know how to use it. It's just a different, you know, creative challenge that that film that that whatever the but games, it's just like, good Lord. Like, you know, of course, Sony Santa Monica has their own proprietary stuff. Naughty Dog has their own proprietary stuff. And the reason that that's amazing is because when you look at games, like they're all different, right? Like Naughty Dog has their own flair. Like, why does it, why does this look so good? How does the lighting look so good? Right. Well, it's, it's that engine. It's, they've built this thing for, you know, from the ground up for, for decades now. That's, that's their magic is, is, is all of this technology that, you know, people come, they work on that engine, they make it better. They leave people come, they make it better, you know? Yeah. Customization uh, too. So it, it's just like Fantastic. this, this beautiful thing that just keeps getting better technology stacked on top of it. And then, you know, same with SMS, you know, they have their awesome engine that people come, they build on it, they build on it. And yeah. So, and and that's why each game looks, looks and feels so different. It's because it's, very bespoke code that 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 changes the feel of a video game wow that's just that, that's so insightful you know and I, I don't think a lot of people understand that you know learning how to learn is a really good uh way to put it uh, that's, that's brilliant bro <laughs> it's so, it's hard yeah I, <laughs> I, I'm, I work on it a lot it's yeah you're at a triple a studio you're feeling good about it all and what made you make the leap yeah i just knew i knew i needed to go to california uh, specifically Southern California. And yeah, I, I got very, very fortunate with that. Um, so Naughty Dog used to rely heavily on where I work now. PlayStation Sound Studios used to be known as PDSG, which is a, a division of Sony Interactive, basically. Essentially a service group where, you know, we work on so many different titles from first party to third party to the music team works on, you know, some call of duty stuff. We we're we're a service group. So that's, what's kind of cool is we get to work on kind of anything under the moon that we get a contract with and get to work with around 2014 or 2015. um, This kind of change happened where um, PDSG folks started trickle out and, and 
other PD folks started to become full-time at Naughty Dog. So it was this, this thing where Naughty Dog itself was less reliant on, on PlayStation Sound, and they just started to hire internally. And mm-hmm. so they were looking for one other headcount, and I happened to meet a bulk of the crew at, at GDC in, I think, 2017. Yeah, 2017 GDC. I met Phil Kovats and Rob Kreckel uh, with, the dice, with the dice team. Rob and I started chatting a lot and started to hit it off. And, and you know, he's saying, we are hiring. And I'm like, oh, you'd hire a mid-level chump like me for, for this role, really? Um, not really. I mean, that's the, what's cool about Naughty Dog is it doesn't really, like titles don't, matter that much you you get to work on you know incredible stuff and you are going to have a lot of responsibility and and so when you work at naughty dog you're, you're kind of just elevated to this role of you need to uh produce some awesome content and, yeah i look back with very fond memories of feeling of oh man like i'm, I'm here and now i need to deliver because you know this game is in my face you know last of us part two and well in charge of the lost legacy was the first one i worked on but um yeah, just really, really incredible opportunity. And so, yeah, when I got back to uh, Bungie, I was just like, wow. Um, so that, you know, Naughty Dog's hiring. That's that's wild. Um, this is my chance to, you know, move to SoCal, get to that, uh, I guess, next challenge. That's been my goal is to constantly challenge myself with uh, opportunities and IPs and, you know, kind of kind of run the gamut, I guess. You know, <laughs> from Uncharted to, to uh, uh, Last of Us to now God of War. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to dive into each aesthetic and, and get to know it. Hopefully produce some awesome content. <laughs> Bo, are you kidding me? The content you create is A+. It's award-winning. Everybody loves it. And we're all really excited about what you're, what you're doing now. And the teams you work with are also really great. What's the dynamic like? Yeah, the talent surrounding me at all times since I've been at PlayStation is, is extraordinary. So... It's yeah, it's very humbling to like right now. I'm just, you know, this, this person over here, crazy good. This person over here, crazy good. It's just like, so I, you know, it, it, it keeps me on my toes. So it's, I'm very grateful for that. Well, let's, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about PlayStation. Let's uh, working there at PlayStation. Your, your title is sound designer. Is that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then you work with a, a, a team of, of how many would you say? Is it bigger than Bungie? It's it's interesting because it's uh, you know being a service group, we have divisions in uh, Bridgepoint, in San Francisco, San Diego, kind of all over uh, the world. Now we're we're uh, like a global uh, entity now, the PlayStation Sound Studios. So it's so we kind of work with a lot, of, you know, yeah. uh, uh, hundreds, dozens. <laughs> I, I forget the number. It's many, weird. many people. Yeah. So specifically on God of War Ragnarok, I'm not sure how much I could talk about it, but you know, we have a, a very, very large team um, working on various aspects of the game. And not to get too into God of War Five, but with teams of that size, they're coming from all over the world. So you're introducing new cultures, new techniques, perhaps new programming. Just really fresh ideas from all over the world. Do you find that PlayStation is uh, a company that uh, promotes inclusivity? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, so uh, PlayStation's culture is a culture of, of uh, collaboration and mostly sharing. Like we, we rely on each other to figure out issues we, we might have. So like, you know, if, if uh, you know, Astrobot or, or ghosts figure out some haptics issue, then they'll share that with us you know, or any 3D audio uh, problems we might run into, 
we're going to all share that knowledge that we've gained from working on all these games, which is amazing. And it saves so much time. And yeah, so it's, it's definitely a culture of sharing, which is super, super valuable. <laughs> and I imagine, yeah, the cream rises to the top, right? You, like you get the best, you get the best product after all that collaboration uh, and teamwork goes through. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, on top of that, we're building relationships with each other, which is right. amazing. So the more we talk with folks in various parts of the world, the more like they might ping us randomly and say, hey, remember you talking about like these these like chair scrape recordings you did? Uh, can, can, can you toss them to me? I'm like, sure. Yeah, here you go. Yeah, so like, you know, great. it's just this really fun, awesome culture that's exciting that that uh, it's just all about sharing and, and, and uh, you know, collaboration. Wow, that's so wonderful to hear. Sounds like PlayStation's a great company to work for. And what kind of workload are they giving you? Being a sound designer is a huge responsibility. So is your schedule mapped out or do you get to pick your own hours? Oh, very, hours very and- scheduled. Yeah, I mean, we have core hours, but of course, 40 hours a week is expected. So, you know, that's what we do. Do you ever burn the midnight oil if there's like a crunch or a deadline or if there's anything like that? Or, or are you kind of cushioned out? especially with triple A titles, you kind of cushioned out so you don't run into those. those that's, that's the idea. Yeah. Production, they're expected to scope the game, make it so down because we're, we're the, the downstream of downstream, right? Like audio and, and particle effects. So we're expected to have upstream, get their stuff together so that we don't have to suffer because it's very easy for us to suffer. All it takes is one game director going, you know, Hey, I actually don't like the way this works. And it's like, dude, right. that was locked like a week ago. Right. You know? <laughs> so the goal is production is, is really hammering on, on uh, upstream folks to make sure that they aren't changing things. So we don't get inundated with last minute work that, that causes crunch. PlayStation is doing incredible on that front. There's a lot of, focus on making sure that the health of all the employees are at maximum, that we are not getting kind of thrown under the bus with a bunch of Mm. work that is caused by upstream folks. Leadership, specifically at PlayStation Sound, is very, very helpful and concerned with all of us. So we can easily go to them, raise a red flag and be like, hey, this this isn't working out with me, This, this situation, what can we do to rectify it? And management will talk to people and health is number one of course wow. and, and playstation focuses on our health so wow that's you know, if we need if we need more support we will get more support that's terrific so it's not just about uh, physical health like you know hey is this guy sick or not but it's also about mental health uh you know stress yeah. management uh that's fantastic wow what a, that's terrific yeah if you're I- feeling burnt out then talk to your managers and a solution will present itself that's just so terrific that they're so supportive and it's great to hear that companies are getting ahead of those stressors and those issues that that may arise that they're you know addressing them before they become issues and the peers that you work with and the team members you have are they coming from all different levels of experience as well like yeah absolutely okay yeah my yeah i mean currently my i feel like throughout my whole career i've always been surrounded by people that have done just extraordinary things so i've been very grateful to to you know constantly learn from them and be on my toes really you know because that's yeah. kind of the thing is like with with talent around you 
you can't slouch. But the nice thing, like I just mentioned, is, you know, if you're not feeling at your best or you're feeling tired, which happens often, right? Like it's this, it's such a demanding job. It's not like you can just go, oh, I'm creatively burnt out. I'm going to go hide in a cave for two months. Like, like, <laughs> right. no, you, you have, this you is a job work. where yeah. you have 40 hours a week. You can use PTO. Like it's, it's a job, right? It's creatively demanding. You, you constantly have to produce. Mm. And what's so nice is, those days where you can't produce because you're just not creatively there. But with game, that's really nice because you can do something else. You can organize, you know, your, your wise hierarchy, the, the structure of your wise. You can, you can work on a uh, documentation. You can figure out some pipeline stuff, some light scripting with, uh, with uh, Reaper and Lua and all this, all this kind of stuff. And, and so many people on this team are very like, you know, code oriented. So mm. that's a beautiful thing is like, maybe, maybe that right brain creative, you know, juice, those juices aren't flowing today. Well, go figure out some, some cool, you know, pipeline thing or, or code some, uh, some tool that can help PlayStation sound, uh, in mass. And that's, that's what I love about games is that, wow, that ability to, if you're not feeling it, well, you can do something else and still be productive. Yeah. You, know? you can pivot that way. That's, that's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. You know, they don't talk about the endurance that this job really requires. And, when you approach even a new project, and it may depend on the game, it may depend on the company, is there an obstacle that all projects have in common that a sound designer has to face? You know, that Darth Vader in the woods? Like I said, 40 hours a week, right? You're sitting in this chair in silence, and it's up to you to create something usually out of nothing. Like we are, we are artists that need to create, which is fascinating. It's terrifying. It's incredibly hard. Sometimes it's incredibly easy. Sometimes it just comes to you, you know, that it's like art is so random like that, which is like awful and great at the same time, <laughs> where sometimes you just get, you you have a really great direction and you can just, just nail it. And then you, you know, you show your supervisors, your, your audio directors, and they go, wow, this is, this is great. Good job. Or, oh, maybe this could sound more like this. And then you go and tweak it. But sometimes you're just on this path that's just like, this is good. This is good. This is good. I know it's good. And you're confident and, and you could just nail something. And then sometimes you can just sit there and go, I don't even know how to start this. Right. You know, like you're just, you're, like I said, the silence thing is like kind of the, the crazy thing. You're, you're sitting, listening to tinnitus, right? And you have to make something out of nothing. Like that's, that's a, a it's a scary, daunting task. Oh yeah. I mean the 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 courage alone it takes to to shoulder the responsibility of of those moments and those sounds and you know even facing failure left and right that's really tough and you're not just mixing in there you're you're also going out, right? I mean you're doing on location recording. That not, that's a part I really love. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so, <laughs> the so let's yeah, let's talk about that for a second like so you're recording original sounds, uh, and do you do them all in the studio? Do you go out in the field? Do you, how does that work? Do you have like yeah. free rain to do that? Or oh, totally. I mean, sound people are historically, you know, the the quirky ones who are like, "What are you doing?" Like, you know, <laughs> with with a mi microphone, headphones, like 
you know, in this scenario, like you're, you look, you just look odd and like, yeah. well, this, this train sounds amazing. So I'm going to sit here for, for 20 minutes and record this train. <laughs> and all your right. friends are like, all right, let's just leave him. He's, he's not, he's not going to move. We got to go. <laughs> we got to continue our lives. That, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's amazing that, that you can, you can have the kind of auditory awareness uh, on things, you know, just like. The, oh the Yeah. Slides. God, we yeah, we're all dug from up, you know, like the squirrel. <laughs> or when we like sounds will kind of like it's like one one ear perks up. Like we can hear like usually sound folks can hear like just oh, the the quality of that or the character of that door or the character of that like, you know, alarm squeal or that beep or something was was interesting, you know? Like our ears are constantly trying to hear things that are unusual or or different um because those are the sounds obviously obviously are gonna pique our interest because if we hear and that's kind of like sound design like if we hear the same thing over and over like you know you know a sound is the same from the same library that we've always heard it, it becomes expected for sound folks you know many times you know, especially if I'm in a room with other sound people um, and we hear, you know, we, we watch a show and we hear like a library door sound. We all look at each other and go, oh, man, they use that library sound because <laughs> like, it's just like you hear it so much like the Wilhelm scream, like up the there. Wilhelm is, scream the Wilhelm is scream. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But when you hear something that's just like, I have never heard that in my life. Like there's no part of my brain that has stored that information. So it's new. It's exciting. And so that's obviously with with uh, especially with uh, what we do at PlayStation and all the other companies I've worked at. The goal is to create sonic experiences that no one has ever heard where you can not go, oh, I, I know that sound like, no, you don't, because, you know, maybe we're using some sounds that, you know, but in ways and we're, you know, we're morphing it, we're layering it, editing it, you know, surgically positioning it to where hopefully you don't know this sound. This is a new sound that should you know, envelop you in the Ori universe and destiny or in whatever that is, that is now a destiny sound. It's now an Ori sound. It's not something that, you know. Yeah. And it puts you in the seat. I mean, it really puts you in the seat. It makes you feel like I'm in a forest that I've never, I've never experienced before. I'm in, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in this situation. I'm, I'm on this, the deck of this, you know, spaceship. I, I feel like I'm really, really there. I, I love that. I, I Mm-hmm. it's just fantastic <laughs> yeah it's yeah sound is cool it's it's similar to lighting where uh wh- when it's bad you notice it but when it's good you're just in that universe you're in that world like for me uh the, the first time in games where i was just like marveled at how do you do this was was uh just naughty dog games like their lighting is just so oh. stunning and it's funny because when i first got there i started playing with debug and I like turned off the lighting and just looked at the models. I'm like, oh my God, like what lighting does for Naughty Dog games is so impactful. Like, it, it, it just takes it to that photo real level. It's just amazing. And the sound, that, that environmental stuff is just, is so incredible. And, and I'd love to be able to play a few uh, examples. Do you mind if we just go oh, absolutely some yeah. of these examples? Thanks so much, Bo. This first sound clip is from Ori and the Blind Forest.
it's so beautiful. And, 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 you know, I mean, the music aside, so we're going to take the music because the music is just incredible, but we're I just put- want to talk about the music. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Um, but if we could, if we could, yes, yeah, put that aside just for a second, uh, the stonework and the sorcery. So obviously like, you know, sorcery doesn't really quote unquote exist. Right. So like, um, what elements are in this piece? Where do you start? Oh God. Well, do you want me to be honest with you right here? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> the the totally thing that the yeah. thing that screams out to me is literally a scream that I put in that me and my buddy uh, Alex Previty always always put in every game we work on. It's the greatest scream of all time. That's a debatable topic because everyone loves their Wilhelm, but we are a huge fan of what's called the Howie scream or the Yorg, and it was used in a ton of stuff. Uh, but yeah, so I used it right when Ori puts the the orb in that pedestal, and then that the the big you know uh, mask thing starts to open up. You hear, and that is the scream. It's yeah. if you know the scream, you'll be like, oh my god, yeah, that is the scream. <laughs> so yeah, there's a that's a little Easter egg there. That's a great Easter egg. That's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> oh, I I didn't know about that one. Oh, that's fa- that's fantastic. You, you should add it to the post. It's a great scream. <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah uh, totally that's that's awesome but yeah so um with the with the magic one big thing that is kind of been imbued in me is this idea of like physical real sounds versus sounds that don't exist that aren't real that heighten it to this thing where you you make it, it like in in your brain it's like oh my god that's magic right mm-hmm. so obviously here you're hearing a lot of like very physical real noise based <sighs> like fire right Mm -hmm. but then you're hearing this tonal magical quality that makes it sound ethereal uh, otherworldly something you're that's like oh i I don't know what that is that's that's new i believe i believe this one was just a stereo sound that i just panned all of those kind of like ignition things so like Mm -hmm. all the the tree trunks that that ignite that blue flame that greenish blue flame and yeah this is actually a very near and dear set piece to me because uh, this was the first time that Gareth, the, the composer, like reached out to me and said, hey, dude, I just put music on your on your thing. And it's one of my favorite things in the game. Like, I love it. You know, a lot of that's because of his music. But he, you know, he made me feel fuzzy saying like, oh, you liked my sounds. <laughs> but it was a magical moment for me because I, I think this was the first time where my work and Gareth's work kind of layered and, and became a, a, a story together. Which is really like, you know, for me, I, I remember feeling really good about that. Because, I mean, it's just an honor to have someone like Gareth who's just bursting with with whimsical talent. You know, his music is just so beautiful. I, lo- I love it so much. So it was really cool to, to have him, you know, call this piece out. But yeah, this was this was a fun one. The the big idea with a lot of this work is is just you know detail and and you're you're hitting every little beat. So every vis effects you know flame that pops up should have a sound. Every time the the visual effect kind of hums or or or, or uh, bursts, quote unquote vis effects hit, that should be hit with a sound. You know, so I'm I'm simply following visual effects on this one and that's kind of the relationship that we always have is you know visual where we are working on visual effects stuff we're trying to hit their work or another relationship is sometimes visual effects follows us which has happened to me you know a couple times in this in this in my career and that's obviously a very 
gratifying thing to have, oh, wow, you're, you're reacting to my work. That's cool. Usually it's the other way where sound reacts to picture or reacts to the, the game, you know, the visual effect. Yeah, that's true. And let's, uh, let's give a quick listen here to uh, some clicker and interactive sounds from The Last of Us Part 2. I mean, I've obviously played the game, but but um, even just revisiting these moments, it stops your heart, you know? It's a hair-raising sound, the clickers. They're, yeah. they're a creepy sound. <laughs> My job was to honor the first game and what, uh, what you know, Phil Kovats, um, Eric Ocampo, and Derek Espino all did for the infected family. You know, those three folks were, you know, the soul of, of the infected. And then, of course, a uh, huge shout-out to Misty Lee, who was the voice of the female clicker on, I mean, on this game and the first game, both games where she in the booth just started doing the dolphin clicks in the first game, you know, back in like 2012 or whenever they recorded her. And that was when they were experimenting with, well, what does the clicker sound like? We have no idea. And she started making that sound like the, 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 the inhale shrieks as well as the clicks. And, you know, that was a moment where uh, Phil and Derek were like, Oh my God, stop. That was it. Like do that. Just keep doing that. And, uh, you know, they got a ton of source for that. And, and they went back to the lab, cooked up some, some, some stuff. And then, you know, the, the, the clicker was born. Hey, everyone. Vladimir here. And thanks for listening to part one of our chat with our hero, Bo Jimenez. So check out part two, where we finish the conversation about The Last of Us 2. And we move on to Uncharted, The Lost Legacy. And we speak about Destiny 2 and so much more. And don't forget to subscribe where you can hear about all the heroes that came before and all the heroes that'll come after here on the Heroes of Gaming podcast.